Hey, thank you so much, and you can be seated tonight. And again, I'm sure I'm glad that you're here as a part of our service this evening. How many of you brought your Bible? Will you hold up the Bible all over the building tonight? And I want to ask you, if you will, to take your Bible down and join me in the book of Judges in the Old Testament tonight, chapter 14. The book of Judges, chapter 14. I have an old Schofield Bible. If you have one, that's page number 304. And if you don't, I guess maybe the book of Judges is what? Maybe the... I don't know, 5th, 6th, 7th book of the Bible. It's not too far from the front of the Bible. And the book of Judges, chapter 14, and I'll read some verses here in just a moment. And while you're finding your place there, can I just say that our buses did a great job of bringing people to church today. And I praise the Lord for every route. Looks like, I'm just going down the list now, but it looks like every route got to run today. And we've had a little bit of a shortage on buses, and it's kind of hurt us a little bit over the last several weeks, but we're trying to work all that out now. But we had a good day on our church buses. The top route today was the Kernersville route. The Kernersville route. They had 74. And then the Rural Hall route was second place. Woo! Yeah. Uh, the Rural Hall route had 49, and then the Pofftown route. The Pofftown route had 42 on uh, the Pofftown route today. The rest of it kind of broke down like this. The West Winston route had 30. The Kernersville route, 74. The South Winston route had 40. The uh, Missions route, this is the downtown route that runs down to the uh, Rescue Mission, they had 8. The Downtown Route had 23. The King Route had 24. The Mount Airy Route had 18. The Rural Hall Route had 49. The Old Town Route had 11. The Murray Road Route had 38. The Walkertown Route, 15. The Pofftown Route, 42. The Ogburn Station Route, 31. The Siloam Route, 25. Put all that together, we're a little shy of 3 million folks that rode our church buses over here today. But can I tell you this? Here's the best thing. There were five people that were saved this morning off the church buses. We had two that were baptized this morning. And then the uh, 16 first-time riders on our church buses today. And that is a real, real blessing. Thank you, bus workers. We prayed for you today, prayed for the church buses, and prayed for our workers, our drivers, captains, workers, and then the riders. And thank the Lord for the good day on the church buses. And then can I say that? Uh, say this, boy, it takes a lot of people to take care of all that crowd when we get them over here. And uh, so we appreciate our nursery workers, those who prepared the meal, and then all those children's church workers on the other side of the building did a bang-up job today. Thank you for the good, uh, good work that went into the bus ministry today. God's been good to us, and we are grateful. Uh, any time or uh, just about any place that I've ever went to preach, uh, I have, you know, preachers have what they call, I guess, their uh, uh, top five messages that they preach whenever they go out and preach somewhere or whatever. And one of the messages that I have preached a lot and I mean literally, literally all over the country, from California to east, is a, a message that I entitled, That's What I Call High-Priced Honey. And if you've ever been around in revival meetings or whatever, you've probably heard me preach that before several times. That's what I call high-priced honey. Well, tonight, I want to use the same text, but I want to give it a little bit of a different spin tonight. So join me in the book of Judges, chapter 14, and I want to begin reading with verse number 5, all right? Judges 14 and verse number 5. And here's what the Bible said, Then went Samson down, and his father and his mother to Timnath. And the Bible said they came to the vineyards of Timnath, and behold, a young lion roared against him. 
And then we read this, And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him. Did you know it's recorded more of Samson than any other person in the Bible that the Spirit of the Lord came upon him? Now, if you and I would think, man, surely not Samson, not after the mess he made out of his life, but it's recorded more of Samson than anybody else in the Bible, the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. And the Bible said that uh, it came mightily upon him, and he rent him, speaking of that line, he rent him as he would have rent a kid, a baby goat. And the Bible said, and he, he had nothing in his hand, but he told not his father or his mother what he had done. And he went down, Samson went down and talked with the woman, and she pleased Samson well. And after a time, he returned to take her. And he turned aside to see the carcass of the lion, and behold, there was a swarm of bees and honey in the carcass of the lion. And he, Samson, took thereof in his hands and went on eating and came to his father and his mother and he gave them and they did eat. But he told not them that he had taken the honey out of the carcass of the lion. Now our text tonight is about a lion and it's about honey. So I want to preach tonight just for a few minutes on this thought, killing lions and eating honey. Killing lions and eating honey. Let's pray. Father, bless your word tonight, I pray, and use this text to help us. Lord, I pray for anybody that's sitting in this room tonight that's just struggling with the Christian life. I pray that this text will help us all tonight. Many of us just need to refocus. Uh, many of us need to, uh, to uh, get our eyes off the things that are going on about us and get our eyes upon Jesus. I pray that you'll use this text to help us tonight, please, in Jesus' name, amen. Somebody once said that Samson is one of the greatest mysteries in all of the Bible. And I'm inclined to agree with that when you consider some of the paradoxes in Samson's life. For instance, old Samson was uh, strong before men, but he was weak before women. Samson had the Spirit of God on him, but he had the passions of the flesh within him. Oh, Samson could destroy the enemy from without, but Samson was no match for the enemy that was within. Oh, Samson was a mystery. And in our text tonight, we find that here's Samson again, messing, toying with a woman that he has no business messing around with. You know, a lot of people have messed up their life because they got involved with the wrong people. Old B.R. Lakin used to say the three things that'll take any preacher down, number one is gold, number two is glory, and number three is girls. And here we find Samson getting involved with a girl that's going to mess his life up. That's right. Samson, after this text, will never be the same. I mean, this is not even Delilah. This is another woman that he met, but his life is going to be completely out of control after this text. They tell us that when we read a text in the Bible, we should always look for three things. You should always, number one, look for the primary interpretation. Number two, you should always look and see if there's a prophetical revelation. And then number three, you should always try to look for a practical application. I mean, what is the text saying to us? Well, as we consider this text tonight, by way of a primary interpretation, what we have here is the beginning of the downfall of Samson. 
Samson was the 13th judge of the nation of Israel, and probably out of all the judges, Samson was probably the most famous of those judges. Maybe him and Gideon, but Samson's probably a little bit more popular because of the story of Delilah than even old Gideon was. And what we have here in this text is the beginning of the downfall, as, as far as primary, uh, primarily speaking, this is the beginning of the downfall of Samson. You know why? Because Samson was a Nazarite. And as a Nazarite, one of the things that a Nazarite was supposed to never do, well, two things. Number one is eat anything that came from the fruit of the vine. For instance, if Samson, listen, if Samson uh, <coughs> uh, bought a box of raisin bran, he'd have to pick out the raisins and eat the bran. Now, why in the world would anybody want to buy a box of raisin bran anyway? I mean, man, give me the sugar stuff, the Fruit Loops, the Captain Crunch, and not the stuff that's good, not the cardboard. Samson would have to pick out the race. If Samson was eating a peanut butter and a jelly sandwich, he'd have to use strawberry jelly and not grape jelly. If Samson came to our services and we were having communion, Samson could eat the cracker, but he couldn't drink the juice. You know why? He could never, ever eat anything that came from the fruit of the vine. Now, that's perplexing because if you'll read there in verse number 5, the Bible said that he came to the vineyards of Timnah. Why in the world, if you can't eat anything to come from the fruit of the vine, what are you doing letting yourself get in a vineyard to start with? Amen. Amen. There's just some places God's people got no business going to. We put ourselves in a place of destruction when we allow ourselves to get into places that we've got no business being there. Hey, we're Nazarites for crying out loud. Hey, we got no business. Don't be mad at me, but if you are, it's okay. We got no business going to some old nightclub, some old hellhole somewhere. Hey, we got no business going to country music concerts and rock music concerts. Hey, can I tell you, we're God's people. Don't be mad at me. We got no business getting inside of a movie theater. Amen, preacher. There's just some places we got no bit. Hey, we're setting ourselves up for a fall when we allow ourselves to get in the vineyards that we're not supposed to be into. But then the Bible said as a judge, we know that a judge or a Nazarite was never supposed to touch a, a dead carcass. You know, if Samson's dog got run over, he'd have to call his neighbor over there to bury his dog because Samson couldn't touch a dead carcass. And yet what do we read in our text? Verse number 9 said that he reached inside the carcass of the dead line. You know what's happening in our text? Samson is beginning his downfall. You may tell you why. He has broken his Nazarite vow. He has lost his vow of separation. And I just want to say that all of us, any of us, that, that loses our separation and allows ourselves to start doing things that we should not be doing, listen, we're putting our play, ourselves in a place to self-destruct. We really are. The primary interpretation is Samson is going down. He reaches inside the carcass of the deadline. You say, preacher, something so small, something so insignificant, and you mean to tell me this begins at all the downfall of Samson? Hey, did you know something? If we take heed in the little things, we wouldn't have to worry about the big things. Amen. Hey, can I tell you something? If we watch those small things in our life, if we'd be careful, hey, if we'd weep over not reading our Bibles every day, hey, if we'd get right with God because we don't pray like we ought to, if we'd stay right with God in the small things, I promise you'd never have to worry about adultery in your life. Then being Samson, the primary interpretation. But then I see in this text not only a primary interpretation, I done made some of y'all mad. You done turned me off now over the rock music in the country. Hey, I remember when everybody used to preach against that stuff. And it ain't changed. If anything, it's got worse. You're welcome. 
It ain't right. We need to stay out of them old hell holes. Amen. Hey, it ain't going to edify you. There's nothing spiritual going on there whatsoever. The Bible said that we ought to sing spiritual songs in Him and make melody in our heart to the Lord. Hey, you ain't, hey, that stuff that's on them, them old rock and roll channels, and, hey, that ain't edifying to you. That ain't, that ain't causing you to think good thoughts. Amen, preacher. Yeah. Boy, I'm going to tell you, we're going to be here a while if I have to stop doing my own amen. We're going to be here a while. Old Samson, the primary interpretation. Then I see in this text not only a primary interpretation, but I see a prophetical revelation. Now, don't, I, I know I'm stretching the truth here, but in a way, I see Samson, as, and I know, he's, I know he's messing up, but I mean, in a way, I can see a type of Christ in Samson's actions in this text. You say, what do you mean? I say this, he's left his hometown, and he's went into an enemy, in, an enemy territory. While he's down there, he's gotten to a big fight with a lion. And then the Bible said that he found a bride, and after a while, he returned to take his bride unto himself. Hey, can I just remind you, Jesus left his hometown one day and came into a hostile and enemy environment, came into this old world, and while he was here in this world, he marched up Calvary's hill under the weight of the Roman cross and met and mastered the devil himself. devil thought he had him, but three days later, when the dust had settled and the smoke had cleared, Jesus walked out of the tomb and declared himself to be alive and alive forevermore. And while he was here, he found a bride. And I like this. After a while, he returned to take his bride unto himself. You know what we're doing? We're just waiting on our bridegroom to come tonight. Amen. I'm a part of the bride, and so are you. Prophetical revelation. But what I'm interested in tonight in this text is the practical application. What can I see in this text that's going to help me when I get up in the morning? That's what I'm interested in. But I want you to look tonight. Look at verse 5, 6, 7, 8, and 9. I'll do this fast, but can I show you three truths about the Christian life? Now, I, I don't know. I mean, we know each other, but we don't know each other. I, I mean by that, you know, we, you know me and I know you, but, you know, there's a lot that I don't know about your life as far as maybe how things are away from church. But I guarantee you these three things are true. First of all, look at verse 5. I, I thought, number one, the Christian life is a life of struggles. It is a life of struggles. Now, I know that's contrary to what we hear from the from the uh, pretty boys, Joel Osteen's, and the, and the oral rip-offs and, and, and the, the, the prosperity crowd, that health, wealth, and prosperity crowd on TV that says, you know, if you're right with God, you get saved, you get right with God, you're never going to have any more problems again. Your refrigerator will never break down. Your dryer will never quit drying. I mean, your cat will never get sick. I mean, everything in your life is going to go smooth from here on out. Can I tell you something, friend? That's just not in the King James Bible. Just because you're saved don't mean that there won't be some struggles in this walk of life. And here's old Samson. He's walking down through this vineyard here. And why in the world he got himself in a vineyard is beyond me. But he's walking down through this vineyard and all of a sudden he finds himself in a life or death confrontation. Verse 5 talks about as he walked through the vineyard that a young lion roared again and he finds himself in a struggle. You know, things may be going pretty good in your life tonight, and I hope they are, but did you know this? By, six, by 618 tomorrow night, your world could be turned upside down. 
Hey, can I tell you something? When you left the house, everything was good. You got off of work Friday, got your paycheck, went by the bank, stopped at the grocery store. You got a little cash in your pocket, some groceries in the cupboard, and tonight everything may be going good. But can I tell you something? By the time you get home tonight, the devil may be sitting in his Ford in your driveway when you get home. I said Ford. It's preaching time waiting on you to drive back in your driveway. And I'm telling you, by this time tomorrow night, you may not even know your name, much less that you're saved. You know why? The Christian life's a life of struggles. It is. Notice, if you will, who this struggle is against. Look at verse 5. The Bible said that a young lion roared against him. Now, I got it in my mind when the Spirit of God kind of emphasizes this was a young lion. We're not talking about an old lion with arthritis, an old lion that no longer is hungry or ferocious. We're talking about a lion that's full of strength. It's, it's furious. It's ferocious. And, and the Bible said that this young lion roared against him. In other words, this young lion has one purpose in mind, and that is to devour Samson. Now, when I put my New Testament glasses on, I am reminded of a verse in our New Testament that goes something like this. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil as walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Hey, can I tell you something? We've got an adversary tonight. We've got an enemy. Let me just tell you something. The devil don't care anything about your holiness. He don't care anything about your happiness. He don't care anything about your healthiness. Can I tell you something? The devil wants to beat you down tonight. He wants to keep you morbid and miserable. He wants to keep you dirty and depressed. He don't want you to be happy or holy or healthy. He wants to devour you tonight. Somebody once said this, if you were neck deep in quicksand and the devil walked by, he would not throw you a vine, a rope, he'd just pat you on top of the head. Just like Brother Baker was talking about them folks over there patting him on top of the head. He don't care anything about you. Would to God we could get people to understand, look, the grass is not greener outside of the four walls of the house of God. The grass never has been greener outside of the fence of God's will for your life. Hey, I want all of our young couples to sit up and hear me and hear me well. Hear me tonight. Hear me. The, the Bible says the, play, the safest place you and I will ever attend is the house of God, and the safest place we'll ever abide is the will of God. You can't find anything better than you find in the presence of Jesus. Amen. Hey, everything you need, everything you're looking for can be found in the presence of the Savior tonight. Who this struggle was against? It was against a young lion. Notice number two where this struggle took place. The Bible said it was in the vineyards of Timnath. That word Timnath means this, the place of fruitfulness. In other words, it was while Samson was on his way to the place or the hill of fruitfulness that he was accosted, attacked by this lion. Can I ask you something? Has the devil been bothering you recently? Have you had an attack lately? I'm not talking about gallbladder. Have you had a, a spiritual attack upon your life recently? You know something? The devil don't bother people that's not doing anything. I mean, if you're not doing anything for God, he's not going to disturb you because he's got you right where he wants you. Don't ever read your Bible. Never pass out a track. Don't half come to church. Don't tithe. Don't pray. Don't half live for God. Why in the world would he want to ruffle your feathers? He's got you right where he wants you. But you make up your mind, you're going to the fruitful place. 
Make up your mind you're going to read your Bible through this year. Make up your mind you're going to start being faithful to the house of God. Make up your mind you're going to start tithing. Make up your mind you're going to start living right. Hey, get on a bus route. Amen. Hey, 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 get involved in bringing people to the house of God. Get involved in getting folks back. I'm here to tell you, you're on your way to the place for fruitfulness. Look out. A lion is going to roar against you. But I like this. Look at verse 6. What gave Samson the victory? The Bible said this. By the way, verse, seven, uh, verse 6, it said this. He had nothing in his hand. So I come to surmise by that that what gave Samson the victory was not something that he had in his hand. Now, we know a chapter over, he's going to pick up a jawbone of a dead donkey and whoop a thousand Philistines with it. But right now, he don't have anything. He don't have a browning shotgun. He don't have a slingshot. He don't have a rock or a stick or a mattock. I mean, man, he has nothing in his hand. And then I think from what we're told in verse number 6 where he said his, his mom and daddy didn't know anything about it, I don't think Samson hollered back and said, Hey, Daddy, there's a lion up here trying to kill me. Get up here and help me. It wasn't his daddy that gave him the victory. It wasn't some kind of a weapon that he had in his hand that gave him the victory. But I'll tell you what gave him the victory. Verse number 6 says, And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him. There's a verse over the book of Isaiah that says this, When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. Aren't you glad, friend? I'm no match for the devil. There's no way. If God turned him loose on me tonight, drop the hedge and let him have me, I'm telling you, I'd be a mess by tomorrow night at this time. But I thank God I've got somebody living on the inside of me called the Spirit of God. And if I'll yield myself to the Spirit of God, I'll never have to fall a prey to the lion. I'll never be devoured. You know why? There's a power on the inside of us as God's people that will rise up and give us victory in the midst of our attack. Amen. Your life is a life of struggles. I know it is. But I want you to come with me now, and I want to preach right here for just a minute. Look at verse 8. I want to talk about the Christian life as not only being a life of struggles, but I want to talk about being a life of sweetness. Because if you'll look there at verse number 8, after a while he returned to take her, the bride, the woman that he had found, and he turned aside to see the carcass of the lion, and behold, there was a swarm of bees and honey. I mean, right there in that place of defeat, there was honey in the carcass of the lion. Now, you know something? If we're not careful as a Christian, we get so caught up in the battles, we get so caught up in fighting the lions that we forget that we get to eat honey. Can I, have, can I have an amen there? If we're not careful, we get out of kilter because, I mean, we start thinking about how bad everything is and we forget we're not always fighting lions. Sometimes we get to eat honey. And, and the devil loves to get us to, to magnify the bad stuff and minimize the good stuff. I guarantee you there's some people sitting right here in this room tonight and all you've done recently is just thought about how hard it is, how tough it is to be a child of God. And I get it. I know the struggles are real. I'm not minimizing that. We all have them. The battles are real. I'm telling you, sometimes I have victory. And sometimes, I just got to tell you, he whoops the fire out of me. And I crawl up on the back porch of God like a up with my tail tucked between my legs as defeated and overcome. But I'm here to tell you, I'm not always fighting the lions. Every once in a while, God said, come here, boy, have a taste of honey. 
And I just said all that to say this. It sure is good to be a child of God tonight. Amen. Amen. You know something? I found this out. I used to have to sell papers to make ends meet. When I was pastoring my first church, um, you know, and, and it was a country church, and they were doing the best they could, I guess, or either they were just trying to keep the humble one. But I tell you, all throughout my ministry there, they kept telling me we want a full-time pastor, but I couldn't be a full-time pastor and pay my bills, so I had to work for a living to, on the side of being a pastor. And I cut meat. I fell back on that. But one of the jobs I took, sometimes along with cutting meat, was running the paper out. So I ran a route for the High Point Enterprise. And back then, you know, you had to go. We would leave the house on Saturday night. We would pack our kids in the back, cover them up with blankets because you had to ride around through windows all, down all night. And we would ride around all night long. My wife would have to go because on Saturday nights she had to put the papers together because they were so thick. And we would ride around all Saturday night putting papers in the mailbox, come home, take a shower, head out to church for Sunday school the next morning. But there's one thing. I had a few of those paper boxes along the way. You know, like it sets in front of a grocery store where you put your 50 cents in or dollar or whatever it is now, and then you open it up and you grab your paper. And the one thing I found out was this. I ordered more papers when there were bad things going on. You know why? Bad news sells better than good news. I mean, if over in High Point or somewhere in that area somebody got killed, man, order more papers because more people will buy bad news than they will good news. You know why? That's a part of our human nature. I mean, we, if we're not careful, I mean, we have a tendency to crave bad news. I mean, when the economy's good and everything's going well, I mean, them poor fellas standing down here selling newspapers, they got stacks this big piled up because they can't give them away. But let the terrorists do something. Let some scandal break on the president or whatever. I'll tell you what, you go by, there ain't a paper left nowhere. You know why? Bad news sells better than good news. And if we aren't careful, we'll get to, we'll get to magnifying the bad things and forget about the good things. I guarantee you there's some people sitting right here tonight, and if you'll just think about your life recently, I mean, to you, all it's been is this is wrong, that's wrong, that's, this person's wrong, that person's wrong. I'm telling you, I'm overwhelmed. I don't know what I'm going to do. And the devil has somehow got your mind on, on, off of how good it is to be saved and got you all focused on all that you do. It's just fight lines day after day after day. And we do, but thank God every once in a while God says, Come here, i got some honey for you. Can I tell you, you say, preacher, what are you talking about? Well, let me just say this. I know things are bad in your life, but listen to this. When you die, you do get to go to heaven. That's pretty good news, ain't it? Amen. Hey, listen to this. When Jesus comes, you do get to go to heaven. Aren't you glad that you don't have to worry about going through the first second? of the first minute, of the first hour, of the first day, of the first week, of the first month, of the first year of the tribulation period. Hey, I don't find any comfort whatsoever in that mid-trib, uh, post-trib rapture, but I can find some comfort in the fact that Jesus is coming to take us out before the judgment falls. Amen. That's good news, friend. Amen. 
Aren't you glad? Hey, I know things are bad. Some of our families have been to the graveyard recently, and I know things are tough, and you sit there in that graveyard, and your heart's broke a 9.9 on the Richter scale, and you think to yourself, how in the world am I going to go on? My world has come to an end, and about that time when the funeral director says, okay, the service is over, we'll have to go now. And you think, how can I walk away? And about that time, the Holy Ghost reaches over the bowels of glory, taps you on the shoulder, and says this, if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with Him when He comes. For the Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with a shout and the voice of the archangel and the trump of God and the dead in Christ are going to rise first and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together. I know we've got to fight lies, but thank God there's a little honey along the way as well, friend. Edmian, sweetness. Sweetness. My kids are here tonight, and I remember when they were growing up, you know, being a preacher's kid, just being a Christian, but just being a preacher's kid, there were probably some things that, that I maybe wasn't wrong, but I wouldn't let them do it. I mean, I just wouldn't do it. I, we, I, I didn't, while they were growing up, and they're old now, and I used to tell them, when you're, you're at Daddy's house, you're going to live by Daddy's convictions. When you move out, you'll have to get your own convictions and live by them. But as long as you live here, bless God, you're going to live by Daddy's convictions. And so we didn't do things. And I, I, I'm not saying we were more spiritual than anybody else, but I let my kids go to the movies when I was growing up. And I didn't let them go to the fair. I remember when everybody used to preach against the fair. And we didn't go to the rock music concerts and the country music concerts. And, and I didn't let them bring that garbage into the house. If they did and I found it out, I mean, man, it was war at the house. I was fighting lines all night long. And, I mean, I didn't let them do those things. And uh, I remember not too awful long, before, and I, maybe, maybe it was Holly or one of them said, they said, Daddy, they said, you know something? When I get old and get out of here, you know what I'm going to do? And I said, no, I don't. And they said, well, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to run by the fair and get me some cotton candy on my way to the movie theater. <laughs> and you know what I told them? I said, if that's what you want to do when you get out of Daddy's house, that's up to you. But you're not going to do that and live in Daddy's house. Now, I said that to say this. You know, too many of us, I mean, all we think about is what we can't do. Am I right? It's, well, I tell you what, I can't do this. I might as well just grow old as a Christian and just rock my life away. I'll tell you what, friend, if you ever figure out how to do that, let me know. I'd like to do that with you. I can't do all that I need to do every day of my life. I'm telling you, the Christian life, man, is full of activity. And, but here's the thing. They, they couldn't go to the movies. They couldn't go to the fair. They couldn't listen to the kind of music and all, all that stuff. But I'll tell you what, they did have a nice warm bed to lay down in. They did have a cake of soap in the shower to wash with and some water running out of the spigot and there was some Doritos and potted meat in the cupboard. Maybe it wasn't as bad as they thought it was. And if we aren't careful, all we do is we get caught up in fighting the lines. We forget every once in a while God said, Here, won't you have a little honey? I just want to say it's good to be a child of God. I am glad to be saved. I'm glad God called me to preach. Hey, I'm glad God gave me somewhere to preach. I got no complaints tonight. Don't grab your violins and play them on my behalf. You know why? I just want to tell you, I'm glad I'm saved tonight. 
I am thankful. I'm saved. I thank God for what I've missed in my life. While, while I've tried to serve God, I don't regret a thing. I'm not looking out the windows tonight at a world that I think is having more fun than I am. I'm just here to tell you, friends, I'm glad to be a child of God. I get to eat a little honey once in a while. And then look at this and we're done. Christian life is a life of struggles. It's a life of sweetness. But I like this, verse 9. Verse 9 says it's a life of sharing. Look at verse 9. He took thereof. He reached inside the carcass of the lion and got him some honey. Don't you think he was glad that he got in a fight with that lion and killed that crazy thing and the Spirit of God came upon him and gave him the power to do it when he started eating that honey? Oh, man, I wish I could get this across like I'm feeling it. But I just want to tell you, it ain't as bad as you think it is. <laughs> well, maybe it is. Well, you're looking. I, I don't know. It sure is good to be a child of God. Hey, it's good to be saved. <laughs> Amen. And then the Bible said he took some of it in his hands and he went on eating. And he came to his father and his mother and he gave them and they did eat. And by the way, look at that last phrase. He didn't tell them where he got it. You know why? Because he had reached inside the carcass. He didn't want them to know that. He'd broken his Nazarite vow. But I like that when he got some, he brought it to them. Now, I don't know, I'm not the brightest bulb in the, in, the, in the box, but can I tell you something? The one thing I do know about honey is it's stringy and it's sticky. Am I right? I mean, he, he reached inside the carcass of that line with his hands and got that honey out. Now, i got to tell you something. I, I kind of picture it like this. He's pulling that, and it's just stringing. My daddy used to tell me, my daddy was born in 1934, and came up in those days of the, 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 the Depression, World War II, my daddy used to tell me they didn't have toys, you know, stuff like, you know, that we had when we were growing up. My daddy used to tell me that for fun, for toys, his mama, there was eight or nine of those children, would sit them in the kitchen floor and put honey on the tips of their fingers and give them a chicken feather. And my daddy said they would sit there for hours pulling that chicken feather off of one hand and look over there, he said it'd be stuck on the other hand. He said for hours they'd just sit there just passing that thing from hand to hand as a child. He said, that's the toys we... Why is it, you know, when you're growing up, why is it your daddy always got to himself, boy, you... I'd say, daddy, can I have a quarter? And my daddy would say, son, you don't understand the value of money. We used to have to walk 25 miles barefooted in the blinding snow to milk cows for a quarter. You don't, y'all remember them stories. And then something happens to them when they get old and the grandchildren come along. Because, I mean, we'd walk in up there and before we'd leave, he'd tell my children, he said, come over here, he said, let's see what, let's see what grandpa's got in his pocket. He's pulling out $5 bills, handing them to the kid. We'd get in the car and say, give me that money. That's my money. I worked hard for that money. What happened to him? He changed. Something happened to him. He's compromised in his old age. But old Samson started eating that honey. And I mean, it's stringing down through his hands and running down on his vesture. And he's got it between his toes. And when he's walking, it's probably going, squeak, squeak, squeak. I can just see it bubbling up where it's just running down all over him. He goes up to his mom and dad. He said, y'all have got to have some of this, mom and daddy. 
This is the best honey that I've ever had in my life. He's wanting to share the victory that the Holy Spirit gave him over the line that was purposing to, purpose to, to destroy his life. He wanted to share the victory, the sweetness of it. With those, you let me tell you what we ought to do? We ought to get back to sharing the victory. Sharing the honey. Amen. Sharing the honey. You know what we really ought to do? I can see Samson when he pulled it out and he starts eating, he's got it all over him. You know what we ought to pray? God put that all over me. When I walk into work tomorrow and say, hey, would y'all like some of this? Would they may not want it, but they ought to look at me and say, well, I don't know if it's as good as he says it is, but I know one thing. He's enjoying it. He's got it all over him. When we walk in, punch a clock in the morning, we ought to walk in. Hey, y'all want some of this? You know what they're going to tell you? How they went to the race this weekend, the NASCAR race. Man, they got drunk, threw chicken bones at one another, gave everybody the finger every time they come around the corner, and they think that's having fun. Squeak, squeak, squeak. Hey, y'all want some of this? Hey, and you didn't cuss anybody out, give anybody the finger, at least I hope you didn't, and you didn't get drunk and all that stuff, and you had a good time in church. Squeak, squeak. Y'all want some of this? They may not want it. They ought to know one thing. We're enjoying it. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Well, Columbo's getting ready to come on. I guess we better go. The Christian life. Thank God. Thank God for the good things of the Christian life. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the Bible, the Word of God.